Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Star Wars fun for everyone, but especially me. I'm I'm your host, Tom Zatton. Sorry, I'm a bit overexcited. Um, you may have noticed it's been a while. It's just, you know, it's been a quiet time in Star Wars uh, Galaxy. Not that much going on, and also it's just been bonkers. Um, I'm taking a slightly different approach to my normal recording technique. Um, I was using mic stands for some time, borrowed from the heavy metal bar where I work, the Abyss. Uh, during this COVID era, they've not been having shows, so I could borrow mic stands from them. Um, but uh, shows are back on, or but now back off again. But anyway, I had to return the, the stand. So now, as MCA said, uh, strictly handheld is the style I go, never rock the mic with the pantyhose. Strap on my ear goggles and I'm ready to go because at the boards is the man. They call him Mario. Ha, 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 ha. So, yeah, I'm going handheld right now. So it might be a little bit... Uh, Bit, bit more hippie shake to the uh, to the, to the pod podcast. Now, obviously, we're back for um, yeah this big moment, the Book of Boba Fett. The first episode dropped today. That is, of course, what we're going to be talking about most today. Um, before we get to that, I wanted to uh, just chat about a couple of uh, Star Wars happenings. Um, we're going to jump. Uh, what? Okay, let's start with this. Uh, apparently, Lucasfilm, apparently, you know, at the end of every year, they give um, maybe their kind of like higher level executives these uh, some kind of nice Christmas gift. Um, and this year, that Christmas gift was a portable record player, which uh, is actually pretty damn cool. It came, came in this kind of like tweed suitcase. And the suitcase was packed in a, in a box. On the box, on the spine, on the, uh, on the on each spine of the box, uh, it had uh, it listed. You know, it had the logos of upcoming Lucasfilm projects. So that included uh, Indy Five, for example, uh, the Kenobi show, Andor, Bad Batch. Now, what people quickly noticed when photos of this uh, gift made it online was that there is a logo on there that we had not seen before. Or it looked very familiar, but we hadn't seen it before in relation to uh, TV shows or movies or whatever. Uh, yeah, the, the logo was... Um, it's like a classic Return of the Jedi style kind of lo looking logo, but it says Tales of the Jedi. Now, you may or may not know that there was a comic book series called Tales of, Je Tales of the Jedi. I believe that that covered um, Old Republic era. Or I, the number I think I have in my head was that it, it was set like 4,000 years before um, the original trilogy. Um, yeah, so I guess it's like early Jedi stories or whatever. Now, they haven't announced... That show, they haven't said anything about it, so we can only speculate. Um, on the spine there, it was between the Bad Batch and Visions. And those two are animated shows. It kind of makes me think maybe 
this will be an animated TV show, you know. They kind of kept all the animated shows together potentially. Um, it would be cool if it was live action. I will always uh, pick live action over animation for Star Wars, but um, I'll take either. Um, what era could it be set in? I mean, I my guess is if they are using an established name like that, I guess they're going to probably go kind of for the era in which those comic books were set. So like old, like really a long time ago, but I don't know. Um, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they would do something like this as a way to go forward in the timeline. Cause I think, okay. I was going to save this for later, but I was just walking around today, listening to Star Wars soundtrack as I do. I actually, you know, like Spotify gives you those, um, you know, you're like Spotify wrapped or like what you listen to or whatever. And if you listen to one artist a lot, they will tell you like, uh, it's like you were in the top 5% of listeners to this band or whatever. So I was in the, the top 0.2% of John Williams listeners this year, apparently. Dude, I'm kicking all you asses. Step up, you John Williams listening. Because I'm winning, maybe. I mean, baby. Oof. Anyway, uh, I was walking around listening to Star Wars soundtracks. And um, I was thinking about uh, Lucasfilm, Star Wars, the future of Star Wars. Uh, the future of Star Wars on TV. Uh, we know a lot of what's coming. Looks like a good time uh, for everyone, really. It all looks good. When it comes to the films, it looks a little bit like they can't, <laughs> they couldn't find their ass with both hands, as the saying goes. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but it feels a little bit like, okay, we're going to do Rogue Squadron, uh, or are we? Yes, yes, we are. Um, when is it set? What is, what is it really? Like, don't know. Then we got Taika's movie. What's that about? No, they haven't said anything. Those two films will not be connected, really. I don't know. Like, I was just thinking. I don't see feel much um, much momentum when it comes to big screen Star Wars, which is the Star Wars I most enjoy. Um, but it just made me think a little bit like, okay, Tom, what should they be doing then on the big screen? And I really, you know, it made, it, I thought about it and it really made me feel sorry for Lucasfilm, to be honest. I, 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 I have trouble coming up with any kind of idea of how to go forward, really. Like, you can say, all right, well, we're going to do um, the ongoing adventures of Ray, Finn, Poe, right? I th I think that after the Skywalker saga, you really need a chunk of time for the galaxy to just be at peace, because otherwise it feels like none of this it wasn't worth this this journey we've been on. You know, if you only get like five years down the track and then you're like, oh, here comes another gigantic threat, like it just feels a bit like unfair or not like it. I feel like there needs to be a chunk of 
time where things have been at peace and whatever. Um, and also there's a the big problem like the Sith, as far as, you know, like in theory, have been destroyed. And there's no way they're doing a new like trilogy or a new series of films or whatever with no lightsaber fights in it, which means you need people with red lightsabers. So who are these people going to be? I mean, you could say like on Exegol, there were, you know, you had these uh, Sith cultists. Some of them must have survived, right? So like maybe they, they kind of start laying the groundwork for another attempt on the galaxy later on and that's what it'll be. I really don't want it to be some Yuzhong Vong thing where these like ugly aliens come from the unknown regions or whatever. It uh, seems, that uh, doesn't seem that fun to me. So um, yeah, but I just think it's, it's hard to know wh where to go. Like part of what made Star Wars so great is that it really did feel like it felt important. Like it really felt like the soul of the galaxy was at stake and um, that this was the be-all, end-all conflict to end-all conflicts. Um, so I'm not sure where you go from there. Like, And I think this kind of stuff that we're seeing on TV where you're filling in the gaps, showing, you know, like uh, giving us an, a bit of insight into what happened between these huge galaxy defining moments um like that's a really good way to do things um but going forward man i i'm i'm not jealous of whoever has to decide how things uh are, are going to progress from now on but anyway tales of the jedi what's it going to be my guess is animated my guess is set long a long time ago um but mm, we'll be interesting to see i mean if if it's amongst those other things that are like set to come out this year, there must be an announcement not too far off, which is pretty exciting. All right. The other thing. Um, so uh, a new Star Wars game was announced. Uh, Star Wars e uh, Eclipse. It's set during the High Republic era. And this is, I mean, when that trailer came out, everyone's jaw really hit the floor. It was so like cool looking and impressive and uh, cinematic and dramatic and stylish uh, it was the most interested in the high republic the star wars community has ever been really um uh unfortunately the, the um the studio producing it the studio head um is unfortunately known for having made homophobic remarks and being a total dickhole, basically. And, um, yeah, that's definitely putting a damper on people's enthusiasm. Uh, let's see how that goes. I just wanted to mention it because, actually, it was a, a really cool trailer. Um, it was really exciting to watch. It was fun. And, yeah, it made me a bit more like, yeah, see? If, uh, if we had more stuff around the High Republic, maybe this that era would be gaining a bit more momentum and ex generating a bit more excitement in the community. Uh, people like it, and there are some people who really like it, which is great, you know. But, um, yeah. All right. Um, let's do it, man. The Book of Boba Fett, let's do it. All right. So, leading up to this, I guess I... 
I would have liked to have done a rewatch of uh, both seasons of The Mandalorian. I only made it through the first season and then the first two episodes of season two. Um, yeah, I, I have to say my, my reservations about the show, like those things have not really improved over time. Um, there are things, especially in the first season, where I'm just like, man, this is this, this doesn't sit super well with me. Um, again, I'm aware that I'm the weird one here. That I love all the new movies, and everyone else seems to love The Mandalorian over everything else. Um, but the good news is, is you know, I watched uh, the first two episodes of season two. I mean, I've watched all these episodes countless times, obviously. But um, you always get a new perspective every time you watch them. Um, yeah, and Cobb Vanth, looking forward to seeing him again. I loved him in that episode again. And i got to say, the, um, the second episode of season two, chapter 10, with the ice spiders and frog lady... That is a banger. And I remember when it came out, people were a bit like, oh, whatever, man. Because, um, you know, people often want these like big moments, the big reveals, the big, you know, characters coming back and all this stuff. And this was a very like tight kind of small story, I guess. But I think that's why it has nothing wrong with it. There's no like slightly like cheap looking extras in the background. There's no death troopers standing in weird positions because they haven't had time to go over everything with a fine tooth comb the way they can when it's when they're on film budgets. Um, there's no aliens speaking with incongruously normal American accents like. It's just super good from start to finish. That opening um, thing with the, the bounty hunters setting up the tripwire to, uh, to take Mando off his speeder bike and that fight and that, the, the amazing visual gag with the, uh, the jetpack leading into, um, you know, whatever, that praying mantis guy playing cards with uh what is it Pelly Mel or something you know the the mechanic that's great frog lady's amazing um the x-wing that conversation between um the x-wing pilots and uh Dinjarin when they're just like basically patrolling space you know that's gold, man. I love that. I love uh, that character. What's his, What's the character's name? Like T Carson, Carvin, Teeson, or whatever. I don't know. Um, he's good, man. He really like just rings. The character rings true for me as a as a good-hearted rebel pilot. You know, and Dave Filoni is good as well. I think he's great as a as an X-wing pilot. I think they have this like. I think, you know, to me, like the rebel pilots and the rebel soldiers always had a kind of like a goofy or like lumpy look to them. They, you don't want them to be like too handsome and heroic looking. Um, so I, I love that section. And then the, the chase, 
They go down, you know, it's banging. That chase is killer. Like, it's cinema quality to me. And the whole, the whole episode just sits together super well. The spiders are incredible. Um, yeah, I, I really had fun. Which leads us to the Book of Boba Fett, episode one. So I got up, blacked out the windows, so I had the room in darkness. And that's my little tradition when there are new episodes of Star Wars coming out. You know, I've got to watch them as soon as I get up. Can't wait till nightfall. And I'm very particular about light in the in the room when I'm watching uh, movie and uh, movies and TV and stuff. So I guess like so, uh, I, I mean I haven't even podcasted since the, all the trailers came out. I thought the trailers were all right. I didn't think they were that exciting. Um, I didn't really look like the look of the ninja guys in the trailers. Um, there were some cool things, of course. I thought the uh, Ethorian looked incredible um yeah there were some uh, some items that, uh, that some things that looked really good some things that looked uh, it it bothered me a bit that it still looks like a tv like i'm not the first person to say this but can they not like shoot shoot it all edit it all and then somehow like project it and then film that on film or whatever and then rescan that back into the computer so that you have like film grain or something because it just there's a it's too sharp looking and i i'm i this is the same for the mandalorian as well um i just the lack of grain the lack of uh, it, it just doesn't feel like it's in the same galaxy as the Star Wars films to me. Um, and it's not about shooting on digital. Like, like Rogue One was shot on digital and it looks really rough and tough and cool. Um, so it can be done. Just a moment. Mm, that delicious Gothenburg water. Fantastic. So that kind of TV look was still there for me. Um, when I watched the trailers. But, of course, look, I'm up for this. This is going to be a good time. I wasn't extremely excited, but I was just like, yeah, let's do it. The excitement grew a little bit as the day got closer. And this morning I was ready to go. I really liked it. I thought it was great. Um, I have, uh, you know, like a couple of re reservations. But overall, I really liked it. I thought, um, oh, if you're listening and you haven't seen the episode, I'm going to... This is a full spoiler review. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it and then come back. All right. So, um, yeah, the I mean, we assumed we were going to see Boba getting out of the Sarlacc and we saw that and there were aspects of that that I thought were fantastic. The shots of him in the Sarlacc were really beautifully slimy and gross <laughs> i really like that uh, really matched kind of my uh my expectations for uh, how it should look um my first reaction to seeing that stormtrooper in there was like what why isn't that why why isn't he seeing like the weak ways or barada or whatever that went down there 
But of course there could be a stormtrooper in there. You know, people are digested over the course of a thousand years. I mean, Jabba could have chucked that stormtrooper down there weeks ago, months ago, whatever. Um, But I, I like that thing of him, yeah, like grabbing the stormtrooper's oxygen supply so he could uh, keep living. And quite interesting that he did this thing with like punching through the membrane of the Sarlacc and using the flamethrower and whatnot um, and then crawling out through the sand. I really, I had it in my head. I mean, the dude's got a jetpack. Because, you know, when people would, would uh, sometimes challenge like... Um, He's dead, man. He went in the Sarlacc pit. I'm like, dude, he's got a he's got a jetpack. As soon as he like landed in there, he, surely he could have just um, blasted his way out. But I think you know, Han whacking the jetpack sets it off, but also fucks it up basically. And uh, so I don't think the jetpack's working by the time by that time once he's down in there. So this actually makes perfect sense. I thought it looked cool. The Jawas coming and stealing his uh, armor looked cool. I liked that. Um, the uh, uh, Just seeing Jabba's palace again, it, yeah, I mean, we saw it at the end of Mando Season 2, but we got some nice longer shots of it um, in the beginning here when you had different people coming to pay tribute to Boba. Um, it looks really good. And... I think the um like it's very nicely there's a good level of kind of um haze or whatever in the atmosphere there to make it look like the Jabba's palace that we know. Um I thought it was a cool pretty cool idea to have, you know, the flashbacks told in through the um basically he's uh, they're presented to us as dreams that he's having while he's in the back to tank recovering from his uh tangle with the sarlacc i think that's a cool idea good way to do it um now him and the tuscan raiders great i loved all that as well like this particular tribe of tuscans they're wearing a lot more black a lot more like darker a lot more darker colors. Like we, we tend to see them in the, you know, tans and browns. These guys are wearing a lot more blacks and stuff. So uh, it kind of sets them apart a bit, which is good. Um, the outfits are killer, like a lot of detail in them and really nicely weathered. They look good. Um, those That Tuscan hound, I got a bit of a soft spot for him. And I love when Bob was like, no hard feelings, mate. You know, nice to hear a bit of Kiwi in there. Um, speaking of that, like I've said before, like Australians are kind of like trained from birth to make fun of Kiwi accents. So it was always a bit of a hard thing to accept Tem as Boba Fett for me because like Kiwi accents are intrinsically funny to me and Boba Fett should not be funny really, you know. Supposed to be the coolest guy ever. Um, but uh, Tim, he was awesome in this episode. Like, uh, like tough, but really likable, and um, with a bit like a cleverness going on behind the eyes, actually. And uh, so he he went beyond my expectations here. I mean, I always liked him, but it's just yeah, like I said, I had some issues. But he was great in the episode. Um, 
but yeah, I like the Tuscans. I kind of like that they took their time with that. Like I was a bit, you know, before the episode started, I checked the, the how long it was going to be. 39 minutes, not that long. I was like, man, I was hoping for like a like a really fat first episode, maybe around 50 minutes or something. Um, but still, it, like it felt like the, the, the whole section with the Tuscans taking him and stuff it had room to breathe and... Um, yeah, where it ended up with him fighting this weird Harry Housen or whatever, whatever, a uh, four-armed monster. <laughs> like, it was a kind of a stupid-looking creature, to be honest, but actually, I feel like Star Wars has, like, some of the designs are awkward. Uh, and we're talking about our original trilogy designs, but you just love them because that ugliness is part of the galaxy. It's part of the flavor. And um, so I actually liked him. Um, the Rhodium was cool. Good to hear. Again, like, like, I like hearing, like, people not speak or creatures not speaking basic. I think that gives it Star Wars flavor. That's been there since episode four, you know. Um, yeah, so that whole section I I liked. Um I think this this way of telling the story, these two timelines in parallel is cool. I really like that. Um, yeah, so him and Fennec kind of going through the process of really taking over from uh, Bib Fortuna. Like, I, I like it all, but I have to, like, how is he taking over, like, as apparently like this crime lord when he he has no crew at all it's him it's fennec shand and it's two gamorian guards i mean to moss esper looks like a gigantic city how is he running this city now with four people like that and i'm not a nitpicker like i'm usually happy to just like suspend disbelief and just go with stuff but it just seems like if there is like this kind of crime, I mean, Jabba had all these henchmen and stuff. And so you go like, okay, yep, Jabba's running the city. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, Jabba dies, Bib takes over. Okay, great. But where, where are all these like, where are the henchmen that enforce this rule? You know, it just seems like you can't just do it with four people. So that just seems a bit weird to me. But, I mean, the, the stuff is uh, unfolding, I guess. I loved the mayor's majordomo and his kind of, like, slimy um, way of speaking. The, 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 the gestures and the body language were great, and he looked really good. I loved the, the, the costume, and the, that all looked excellent. Um, I loved the... Uh, the 88 droid, apparently voiced by uh, Matt Berry, who uh, is in uh, what, what We Do in the Shadows, one of my favorite shows, and the IT crowd, which is great as well. So it was cool to have him on board. Um, yeah, that whole section was cool. Yeah, that, I mean, the section, oh, yeah, when he went to like this kind of like pleasure palace with the gambling and everything, that was good. Max Rebo, holy shit. Great to see Max there. 
Um, funny that they were doing this kind of like Calypso version of the cantina music. Yeah. And I thought like the extras all looked really, really good. That was like, it was a well put together scene. Um, yeah, the fight with the ninjury guys. I just, the ninjury guys to me, it looks like Power Rangers characters or something. It just doesn't totally ring Star Wars. I think in the con- in the context of the episode, it um, sat a bit better than it did in the uh, in the trailers. But um, it was all right. I was it's a bit weird. Like they kind of like surrounded them and used these shields to hold them in. But I don't really. I was like, I thought they were like, they had them captured so some other person could come and either talk to them or kill them. But then they just kind of hold them there and like, what? what's the point of this? And again, it's one of those things, well, why don't they have blasters? I mean, there's billions of blasters in like, why are you going after dangerous people like this with stun weapons or whatever? It's a bit... Uh, I, Again, I understand you can't just have the whole thing, people shooting at each other all the time. You need to vary it up and I get it. But yeah, that scene was all right. Fennec Shan chasing them down. Pretty cool. Um, Yeah, pretty good. So, yeah, interesting. I noticed the that uh, Ludwig Göransson did the main themes, but he didn't do the whole episode. There was someone else credited as doing the score. So, uh, yeah, I assumed he was doing it all again, but uh, apparently not. So the themes were pretty cool. Again, it's this uh, Spaghetti Western vibe, um, which is correct, I guess, if you're keeping it all within the Mandoverse. This is, you know, an extension of that. Uh, But I don't know. I always wonder, like, what would all this feel like or, yeah, sound like and feel like if they were doing more John Williams type music. Yeah. But uh, yeah, overall, I had a really good time. Um, I think it had enough levity because I think with Boba Fett, it's potentially dangerous of it getting a bit too like serious and like tough and like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tough bounty hunter. The episode had a sense of humor, and uh, that's so important. Um, so it was it, it it was cool. It was stylish. Um, uh, had some nice little Easter eggs and stuff. Um, and it's just the beginning, you know. I think uh, things are going to get really interesting from here on. All right, it's time for a quick round of what's that sound? see what this sound is wow that's a tough one hang on is it maybe like is it something from the speeder chase on Coruscant from episode 2 maybe that's what it sounds like to me let's check it out let's see how well I can read this book in the dark <laughs> you know, I like to create a cozy atmosphere when I'm recording. You know, uh, let's see. Oh, two hundred and eight. Yeah, I might be close. Hang on. Oh no, maybe it's um, 
Sorry for this champagne podcasting. Champagne podcasting. Oh, come on. Where is 2008? 208. Here we go. Yes, I'm pretty close. Zam Wessel's Luft Svebare. Oh, yeah, it's her uh, it's her speeder. Listen to it one more time. Oh, shit, no, I'm, it wasn't 2208, it was 207. I was wrong. Yeah, Zam Wessel's... Um, oh, my God. Sorry, it's because the book is in Swedish. All right, so it's her uh, sniper rifle. Hmm, how about that? All right, let's do another sound. I want that treaty signed. <laughs> my lord, <laughs> it's impossible to locate the ship. It's out of our range. Not for a Sith. Not for a Sith. This is my apprentice. This Darth is my apprentice, Darth Maul. He will find your lost ship. He will find your lost ship. Fantastic. I don't think we need to try to answer that one. All right, let's try it. 158. It's got to be Ewoks. Or, that's my guess, 158. It's got to be Ewoks, yes. Yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, just says Ewoks talking. All right, let's try another one. Let's do like two more. Here we go. That's not true. <laughs> okay, I'm with, no, that doesn't count. Too obvious. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't got a clue. Let's look it up. 123. Ooh. Hang on. No, I was sorry. I was a little quick to... Aha! Uh -huh. Oh my god, you know what that is? Listen again. That is Han's blaster flying into Vader's hand. <laughs> wow. I would never have guessed that in a million years. Alright, last one. Oh, too obviously. Too obvious. Pick another one. Oh, I know this, but... Hmm. Is that just X-Wings firing? Wow. That's a tough one. 92, 90. Ah, no, this is the, the probe droids um, launching from, uh, from that Star Destroyer for sure. Sorry, I got a hint because I knew I could see where we were heading. Yeah, that's it. All right, thanks for playing What's That Sound. All right, to finish off, of course, we're going to go back to our rewatch of The Last Jedi. Let's check it out. All right, you may remember that we finished off, finished off last time with Luke's line, it's time for the Jedi to end, which was... That was a big line. Wow. Yeah, 
Here we have Leia looking pretty distraught. Hmm. I'm assuming about losing the entire bombing bombing fleet. <laughs> Slap! What did the five fingers say to the face? Slap! Get your head out of your cockpit. I, see, it's lines like that that push push the boundaries a bit, but because. Especially because we know Carrie Fisher so well at this point, you kind of like oh, that's such a Carrie Fisher thing to say. It's hard to say here. Like, I sympathise with Poe, but he did. That was a total fuck up, basically. This binary, cloaked binary beacon. It's a bit cheesy and it's a bit like glittery looking. It looks a bit too fancy to be just like a piece of hardware. Mm. I'm a bit of a fan of that. Uh, ah, that. Okay, there's a, a woman there who looks just like Nina Simone, which is crazy. Look at that. What's it called? The Supremacy? Is that what it's called? Snoke's ship? Very tough and cool. Hmm. That's a good shot. Where they're like focused on Poe he's saying like, let's get out of here. And then Leia raises her hand and the focus pulls back onto her hand just as it pulls, as she raises it. That's some Kung Fu filmmaking. That's a good line. Come on. Permission to jump in an X-Wing and blow something up. Permission granted. Hmm. All right. I guess this... Damn! Look at this stuff. See, this is it. Like, I just feel like the TV's shows are fine. But they just can't do anything like this. Look at this. Like, the TIE Fighters. Just the, the scope, the production level. It just... Look at this. This looks sick. Nah, I'm not... Okay, this sucks. Tally Lintra is about to die. Not okay with it. She's one of my favorite side characters in all of Star Wars. She's just cool. She's just cool. I don't want her to die. And this is awesome. Listen to this shit. Kylo Ren with whatever that version of his TIE fighter is. What is it? Silencer or something? Just looks evil and awesome. The way Poe was running there, it looks like he's running on a really slippery floor. And there we have it, the end of Tally Lintra. Nah, not okay. Tally lives. Hashtag Tally lives. I love that shot of BB-8 bouncing past and then his head bouncing back into frame. Whoa. But this does a good job of showing that they're in trouble, man. I always wonder if that that bit of layer dialogue was ADR done by a uh, what do you call it like a voiceover professional doesn't sound exactly like Carrie Fisher but you just don't yeah maybe it is ah oh, this here we go this is some 
prime juicy Star Wars. Leia can sense Kylo out there in that ship. Kylo can sense her. Kylo's faced with this decision now. Look at that. The, the leather gloved hands. That thumb on the trigger. What's he going to do? Is he going to fire at his own mum? Pulls the thumb off the trigger. He realizes something about himself. I'm not the monster I'm trying to make myself into, but his fucking wingmen launch those torpedoes anyway. Boom, hits the bridge. The resistance leadership out the window, including General Leia. I mean, I remember seeing that in the trailers and just being like, oh, this is going to be nuts. And it's such a good, such a good moment. But of course, here becomes here begins one of the like less awesome aspects of the film, which is this like slow motion chase through uh, through space. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's just not that kick-ass either. Hmm. Okay, now. <laughs> This bit generated a bit of controversy, shall we say. Leia floating in space. Some people complained, like, as if she would survive in space. But she's just... I think... At the time, we didn't know how... much time she had spent learning the ways of the Force. But that hand position is really nice. Now, I think... To be honest, it was like... Something about the... How static she looks as she's floating through space that... Okay, I don't know, it made it a little bit comical or something. I buy, like... In terms of like, she's a powerful force user actually, and that's why she could survive that um, and get herself back onto the ship. But I do remember the first time I saw it, seeing her, that kind of like, she almost looks like a chess piece or something floating through space. Didn't love it. I like it better now than I did then, but still. All right, let's do one more little thing. This is a great moment. Chewy cooking porgs. <laughs> and the porgs guilt trip and chewy. Did some people think that this was um, Ryan Johnson trying to push a vegetarian agenda? I don't know. But it's just kind of fun to me. It's great. Look at that little porg with his sad face. You're eating my friend, he says. Hmm. You get to see Luke sneaking onto the Falcon behind him. I mean, this is fantastic. To see the hooded form of Luke freaking Skywalker again. Walking onto the... Into the cockpit of the Falcon. Hmm. Hans Dicer there. This is a great little exchange between him and R2. Let's have a listen. Oh, just like, I think they, the way they, the recreation of the Falcon is so well done. 
Hey, Sacred Island, watch the language. I love that. Old friend. Old friend. Oh, come on! That's touching. I mean, it is so sad that, like, that this is where Luke ended up. This is great, though, using the, like, the Princess Leia thing. Ah, man, come on. This is great. Ah, Luke's, Luke's not sure. He doesn't want to help anymore. That's great. Ah, I'm really ready to uh, to rewatch these three films again, ASAP. All right, we're going to pause it there, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, get ready for the next two months of Book of Boba Fett madness. It's going to be a good time. Um, I hope you're enjoying uh, this end of year wherever you are. All right, thanks again. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me! Mm -hmm.